All right, welcome to Havana Cafe Sessions number number 125. 125. Number 125. Is there anything special about 125? Um, it's about love. Is it a special number? Oh, well, it is about love. Is that special? And, we'll, and you know, actually, it's out? about to have... Well, it's about to be on Valentine's is Day. It? So it's well, perfect it, is it going to come about the Valentine's Day? I guess we could make this it. This must have come. been a subconscious thing because it's embarrassing to say we didn't plan this, but it's actually no, we yeah, didn't. It's happening. We didn't anyway. at all. But on that note, and, I, and I'm probably skipping ahead, but you mentioned Valentine's Day, um, and I just one of the things I read this morning was saying how the notion of romantic love is actually a modern construct. Really? And it appeared at the same time as the novel, Madame Bovary. Bo- 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 oh, Madame Bovary. Okay, yeah, that's, interesting. That's when the concept of romantic love appeared on the scene. So that's interesting, but we'll get into that. We'll get into the various different types of love, because you think just love, don't you? But there's actually um, at least seven types of love. Is there really? Yes, Can't there wait is to hear indeed. about this. Yeah. You know, I was listening to, um, just thinking about what you said about the romantic love, I was watching the Mongolian episode of the tribes, you know, thing where, he, so so this, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, Bruce Perry. Bruce Perry, yeah. So, so he did this whole um, series of going out into um, diff- different sort of remote places, I suppose, and living with tribes. And this episode was about him in Mongolia and with a nomadic um, herding family. And he, he asked the woman sort of how they got together. Right. And um, she said, oh, you know, we were at school together and he liked the look of me and I liked the look of him. So we thought, yeah, OK, let's let's get let's married. Let's get together. And it was let's just it. it was it was quite funny because, you know, when things are expressed so simply, you know, we, we like to, with love and, and particularly with romantic love, have a big complicated thing about all the different reasons, but it was just, she just stripped it back. And, and maybe that's, that's because that concept isn't there. It's like that for them, that's what, that's what the, marriage is. Yeah. Love marriage is. It's, yeah. it's just, yeah, she likes to look at me. I like to look at her. And there um, we go. That's biology. Go. That's yeah. what um, okay. this book here talks about. Um, Red Queen. Okay. And that's about... That this again, are we? Is this just a vessel, and we're a slave to our our genes essentially? Okay. Um, as opposed to thinking that we're the conscious beings, beings that, we are. that we are making the, the decisions that we're making. Yeah, yeah, that we do all of that. Um, but he argues for something a little, slightly a little bit different. Um. So okay, good. Before we get into um, love properly then okay. what have you been up to this week well first of all yeah what have you been up to this week that's okay. one question yeah second question is do you do anything for the valentine's day thing or not since we're talking about love anyway yeah me and my husband are terrible about celebrating and in presents and stuff yeah. so we get excited about date night just whenever it happens but um yeah, Valentine's Day isn't a big thing for us. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've never been big into it. I think for us, like, you know, the pre-kids era, you, we had a few experiences. You know, you go out to a meal because you feel like you should because Valentine's Day, and then you get the worst food ever, even at restaurants that you love, and you just think, why am I doing this? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we don't do that. So sorry, don't sorry, do I'm, not, I'm not a humbug. <laughs> no, uh, it's, no, it's good. It's, it's, it's not, it's, because um, we, we're not that big into the, commercialization piece of it mm. as well especially as you see every day is valentine's wow. day for us 
Every is is that <laughs> is that how it goes? Every day is Valentine's Day. Sure. Um, yeah, but no, we're we're not a, a big one. So anyway, what what have you been up to this week? And then we'll come back to this what whole. What have I been content. up to this week? This week um, has gone by really quickly for me, and uh, yeah, I don't know what have I been up to. We're trying to get a piano, which is exciting. Um, Work wise, I've been bogged down on Amazon ads, so um, you know. Just doing some computer nerd stuff, exactly. Nerd stuff, exactly. Doing my yoga thing, doing yeah. doing a bit of no exciting revelations. Stuff. What's up? No, uh, no light bulb moments of insight. You know what I'm I'm liking doing is I'm starting to have a, a fun time playing on Instagram. Okay. So I've got um I've got my writer account where every day I'm sort of posting a picture. It's a bit like a mood board about the story, so hmm. and it's really I'm really having fun with it. So um, yeah, if you want to go um, have a little escapism to an island in the tropics and you're somewhere where it's snowy and cold, um, or just cold and dreary like yeah. us, then uh, yeah, I'm at Sarah B Hunt. But uh, yeah, that's been kind of fun because you know then you you know it's the middle of winter, but you can still be posting pictures of the beach and yeah. seagulls and. You know, little, the sunshines and the sunsets and the mind, mind trip on uh, Instagram. I had a surrealistic moment coming in, driving in. I was going to yeah. say, did, did you have a light bulb moment this week? Um, well, I've had several several things going on. One, I was, um, I've been back into looking at the experimental fiction stuff. So I've been reading um, Harold Jaff, Jaffe stuff. Um, as well as a guy named Harmony Corrine, I think. Okay. Uh, he's a filmmaker um, primarily, but he's also written a few uh, experimental fiction pieces. I've been in that kind of space. But driving in today here, I had two moments of not understanding whether I was in reality or not reality. Ew. <laughs> well, I've been playing PUBG quite a lot. Me and I play on my own and I play with some friends in the States and stuff like that. Okay. And I was just driving and I looked up and just ahead in the distance, I could see an airplane going across my field of view. Mm-hmm. But my immediate thought is, where's the, car- where's the um, cargo drop? Because in the game, they drop a crate at some point. They drop a couple of crates at some point that you can go and get some real good loot in. And that's what my brain saw the plane as like was looking for this crate to drop out of the back. And you're like, oh, wait, I'm in Limington Spa. I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm in my car in Limington Spa driving. Um, And then I was dropping loot. No, but it was just, but it felt like. I was, well, exactly that. My brain just went boom, and automatically I was scanning the horizon looking for this. We're going to have such trouble when there's VR everywhere. I know, absolutely. Um, And then the other one um, that I saw um, that had this surrealistic moment again was on the right-hand side, as you go across the the river that's by um, Jessup's Garden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there was a field with, like, brown, tall brown grass. Yeah. And there was a dude walking through it, mm-hmm. which is exact scene out of um, The Walking Dead. Okay. So he looked like a zombie <laughs> walking <laughs> through the field. Because on, I think it was last season or the season before, every, at, in the opening credits, you see this zombie in the, in the tall oh, brown man. grass just alone walking. It was If I had got out of the car and took a picture of that, you would have thought it was the opening credits of The Walking Dead because it was just kind of... Uh, 
through the thing. So I was like, oh man, what's going on here? Is it real? Is it not real? You sound um, like my my older son who's like, I don't like I don't like this world. I like the Minecraft world better because you know he can build stuff in, yeah. in the Minecraft world. In this world, he feels very powerless and like right. a, a kid. And in the Minecraft world, he can build everything. It's like he talks about them as if they're two parallel universes. It's like, mm, do you mean reality in your game? But yeah. no, that's not how he's processing it. So. Okay, so all right, enough about zombies and PUBG and jumping out of airplanes looking for crates. Is there ever like enough that. of that? Yeah. And you gotta, you're gonna have to play some PUBG at some point in time. Mm. I'm trying to get up for crew. I mean, I, I. Do you get? Does Ruth play it? No, no, she, she's oh, not same. into those those types of games. I mean, she likes she's a, she likes playing games. So she's but she likes more stuff like um, Candy Crush. That right, kind yeah, of stuff. yeah. So not, although she does like. Um, you know, we play these games where you. I'm trying to think of one. Um, it was like, like she does like the adventure type games, like the big Zelda open world yeah, yeah. bit where you have to go around and solve problems, puzzles type okay. thing. But it depends on the storyline. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's probably more of a her. It depends on the storyline itself. But yeah, yeah so okay. anyway. Okay. Um, so back to love. Back to love. So I thought it was. I can't remember. We were whatever we were doing in, the, in a couple episodes ago. And just the thought of this whole idea of let's do something on. Because I was talking about the kids, wasn't I? I was talking about the kids and about how before you have your kid, you don't know them and you know you're going to okay, love them. Yes, so it's, it. yeah, so that was sort of spun off from that. You kind of spun off yeah. from that. So, because it's, it's an interesting question. And, and um, I found a piece of writing that I did on them and mm -hmm. I was going to send it to you but then I thought nah I can't send it to you not without okay. heavily editing because okay. I don't think you would have liked the stuff I had to say I don't think you would like the whole of the essay so I thought well maybe I'll just cut out this bit because you'd probably be okay with that <laughs> um, but this is your problem in life isn't it the editing of clay yeah make him more palatable oh, yes. for the for the commoners I, like, I have to scale us. it down a bit I was like looking at that well if I send that then you know um, so I, I may send it well, we're actually going to talk about the bits that I felt the safe to okay, share. Okay, well, safe, yeah. share, share, <laughs> share some of the safe stuff. Anyway, because the question to me, and I don't know, I'm sure other people have kind of had that. In fact, there's been plenty of songs. You know, the question is, well, what is love? Mm -hmm. And what would your definition of that be? I don't, yeah, I don't really know. I think that we think about, we, we use that same word, don't we? No matter whether we're talking about romantic love or love for our kids or love for our friends or other family and stuff but they can feel quite different in many ways um is it just yeah. like a feeling just a strong feeling i think it must be a feeling of connection i would say okay so a feeling of connection and care i was listening to um a podcast by tara brock who's um a sort of buddhist teacher right she's a westerner um She's great, actually, and, she, and so I was listening to sort of her thing on love, and she described it as a real seeing, like you really see it oh, and really notice yeah. the other person. Because it's that love. great piece in um, Avatar, and I think the Native Americans in the States had the same thing. It was like a saying, I see you. Yeah, that's that right. Greeting. Yeah. yeah, I love that I, in Avatar, I actually. I think that's really a cool... Um, concept I see you um, and 
and even as I'm saying it now, I'm thinking how powerful of a connection with someone when you, because we don't do that necessarily, especially no. these days. Of, you know, most of the times our heads are in the phone, and if it isn't in the phone, then in your head you're thinking of what's the next thing. So I'll say hi, but I'm also thinking about the other 20 things I'm going to do. But in the way that they were using that phrase, it's like when we come together, it's you have that pause to uh, I see you. And that's just such a cool yeah. concept, I Yeah, think. yeah. Did you, I can't remember if any of the ones in Tribes, if they had that kind of... I, I don't, there was something actually. I can't remember. Yeah. I, I watched one of the ones, um, but I can't remember what they said, but it wasn't as, as sort of made a big thing about like right. it is an avatar. But I think, you know, if, if I think about... You're, you know, if you think about your experience of the different people that you love, it is that you're paying much more attention to them, aren't you? Whether it's romantic love or your kids or something like you sort of love your kids or, you know, you, even you think about your parents and stuff. You're very aware of these people and in your life and you're very attentive to their different moods and, you know, just just their. But their, you're also very accommodating of both their light and dark side and their positive and negative. Sometimes. What do you mean? Well, I think in families, sometimes people can be not accommodating to these things. Do you I think? think? It's, I think it's rare that you like completely sever contact. I mean, I know it happens. I'm like, I'm not that close with my family, but I wouldn't say that, you know, I don't care about them in that sense. I'm just not close yeah, to them. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's like, you know, there's things that you would do for your family that you wouldn't do for your and, and, stranger yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or the like. Yeah. Um, and regardless of how bad or nasty or whatever they've been in the past, there's always seems to be that thing that would because there is that family connection piece yeah. mm-hmm. to, to that. Um, which is interesting in and of itself, and maybe some of it's biological, but and um, I'll come back on to um, Matt Ridley's piece, but as you mentioned about um, the different loves, and I said there were seven. And this is from an article from Psychology Today. But also, if you read um, Hollow Quello, he talks a lot about the different types mm. of love as well, and agape being the highest form of love yeah. um, and that you want to evolve to. So the seven, the seven types, you got Eros, which is the sexual passionate love, and it's... Um, it's akin to the modern construct of romantic love. So it's, right. yeah, so we think of the sort of Greek mythology and um, Cupid's arrow and this madness that comes on. So it's just that passion piece where you kind of yeah. have that attraction and fall in and in that kind of love. And I think when this, in this Matt Ridley's, um, he kind of likens that to the fact that that's the, it's almost like a drug that you, because we have to procreate so yeah. you have that secretion of what all the hormones and whatever um, yeah. and it forms that bond and I remember when it was a channel 4 documentary yeah. I, I seen or something that yeah I think it was channel 4 anyway it was a documentary that I watched and they showed because you know they have this concept of love at first sight mm-hmm. and they were able to recreate feelings of love by just um, making this these hormone things come out by a something in the environment right and so they could manipulate you really having a connection with the person that was opposite 
of you, but right. it was based off of... Hey, that's scary. Yes, I know. I thought it was very, very scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in a way, and scary, but also... It also was enlightening in the sense that... Because we do tend to put a lot of um, emphasis on the Eros love. Yes. Um, and this whole romantic love. And I think some of the crises that we have in relationship to marriage and the whole... Um, dissolution of marriage, you know, 50% in divorce or whatever that statistic is on that end, um, for a number of reasons. One, because we think that love has to be this romantic thing and I need to have this passionate, crazy um, space like all the time. Um, and then the second bit of that is, um, and this is probably a topic of another podcast, but this idea that you have a right to be happy. All of the time. All of the time. So if you, you yeah. know, you don't have this romantic love, you, you only have, you can get rid of this well, person and, because. And you, it might also be the case that because Eros, this kind of love is prioritized above all other things. Well, it's a, it's it, a myth it, that we're fed as well as That's kids. completely. Yeah, and if that's the basis on which you're starting a marriage, hmm. you may not have necessarily chosen someone that's actually very compatible to you. So it's not that, you know, for some cases, it might be that you find yourself when that goes away, not that you're only disappointed that that hasn't stayed with you but that you find yourself actually that it doesn't develop into a companionable kind of different kind of love because you've sort of chosen a person on a slightly spurious basis if you see what i mean yeah so you got hooked into that aerospace mm. but haven't thought of beyond that space and then when that which it does fade yeah and um, then you don't have anything that's left or the connections sort of not there unless you've had kids and that might carry it on beyond that but even these days it, it doesn't and um yeah so that so that's one one type of love which we'll get to this this one that that'll that may be the thing that you could latch on to or maybe what you were just saying it doesn't necessarily go so that's that's the eros and so the next one is the phila phila philia which is friendship. So it's like the shared goodwill between okay. individuals. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, yeah, it's your friendship is what is based off of goodness and associated with the sort of mutual benefit that we kind of bring um, to each other. And Plato wrote a lot about um, this kind of friendship. And he says it was the best kind of friendship, even above the love, Eros. Um, I bet that's the kind of that's really strong in the military, isn't it? Like your idea of sort of like brotherhood being out there. Yeah, I can imagine that that yeah. like I kind of friendship is incredibly be, important. Yeah, that that whole sort of um, bond that you fought, that you that you form, sort of, yeah, the whole sort of brotherhood thing, and 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 if you think about to the extent what that formation is, is we do. You know, you put your life into another person's hands. Yeah. That's, where the, that's how deep the bond and the trust is. Yeah. That, but I think um, and a lot of times, yeah, and, just, sorry, and you know, when people, when we go off to war and, and you think you're fighting for your country, but when you're like in the space, it's actually more about the people to your left and the, the politics and country right. goes out of the window. Yeah. But it's more about it's your friends and the people that you care about and the bond around you that's that you're interested in protecting and, and yeah, yeah, keeping yeah. safe more so than, you know, what 
Totally. And I, I think that there's... going on. Yeah, well, um, but I think that sort of comes becomes really strong also anytime you've sort of gone through a really intense experience with someone. So, like, you know, there's certain things about, like, going through high school, isn't it, that if you, ha- if you meet someone that you were close to at that time, even yeah. if you haven't necessarily kept in touch, you've sort of shared quite an important moment in your life. And, um, you know, for me as well, it's that there's a few um, friends of mine who I met after I had my first child. Hmm. And when you go through that sort of first, you know, experience of having kids and sort of being completely <laughs> out of your depths about what you're supposed to be doing and, and all that kind of stuff, I think, you know, you can get quite close with people under those conditions in a way that you sort of, it takes a lot longer if everything's sort of just ticking along fine and you're not, you know. But there's some friends, like you said, like you have people that you've known in high school that were friends, mm-hmm. but then there's friends' friends, like what I would call goombas. Like you, like if you're some people you'll see and it feels like you've never even left, even though I haven't seen That's you for true. Yeah. 12 years, you just pick up right where you left off, whereas yeah. other people, you know, you pretty much strangers to each other again and there's that's a, completely a true i wonder what that is about maybe it's the level that you went yeah. to and i'm thinking of the you know looking at plato's idea of it, of the um that kind of love the philia love and he's saying that because it's it, it becomes based off of um relating to each other in an authentic and truer way so there's Probably people you spend time with whom you can talk about anything to yeah. share anything to even beyond that you wouldn't even talk to your family about necessarily yeah yeah um, and you know those types of friendships are probably very rare you don't have a lot of those type of friends you'll have you know a handful perhaps yeah. you, I mean, that you can really say they yeah. say what was that saying there's friends that will help you move furniture and there are friends that will help you to move a body yeah i know yeah, yeah. so um then this next level of love the third that's one, the zombie love coming out with you is it yeah <laughs> it's called a uh, story gay and this is like the previous one but this is like towards your parents and your children okay so this is the third type of love um and then the fourth one and this is the one how that, is that different than the friends thing like how are they describing um, it differently they're saying that it differs from the filial love and that it tends especially with younger children to be unilaterally or asymmetrical right yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah right um yeah so it's born out of familiarity of familiarity and dependency yeah um whereas the others are more impersonal qualities yeah and more and, equal yeah, yeah. okay yeah. yep yeah, so then there's a gapey, which I only know up to here. I don't know beyond this one, because this is the one that um, Paulo Coelho talks about. A yes, lot. he does. Yeah, yeah. And this is his universal love and love for um, strangers, nature, God, everything. You just love yeah. everyone and everybody, um, and it it transcends um, yeah. everything, which... It's just strange because sometimes I feel that. Do you ever get these days where you just come out into the world and you just like, I don't know if I've just had yeah. this where I just love like every, even people, even when they're mean, it's like it's, I just have this intense like love for like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Animals, people, plants, it's like, uh, it's a weird, it doesn't, 
I mean, it's a cyclical thing, and it's not like all the time. There's just days where it's just super intense, where it's just like, um, where I kind of feel this. And, and Paolo Coelho, the way he talks about it in this relation, in the love, is it, um, the end relationships is that you have that the relationship should move through to these four stages. So it should get to here. Right. So the once romantic stuff is gone, no biggie, because actually you want to move yourself towards um, the agape. Right. Um, and then that's the basis between which, you know, as a, a relationship that you have and will be based off of, or that's what will keep you, sustain you through the entirety of both your lives. Right, um, okay. What's the to, other two? Because I'm yeah, sort of now I'm three. now I'm out. Yeah, three, no, yeah, I'm out as well. So the, okay. the the fifth one is ludus. It's a playful and uncommitted love. Um, it can involve activities such as teasing and dancing, um, more overt flirting, seducing, and and I get that. So I guess that's. I mean that's okay. Kind of, yeah. So it's um, yeah. And yeah. You, yeah. And you see that a lot. I think anyway. When almost it seems like it. Predates the era of stuff. Yes, it? yeah, you know I mean? yeah. So, I mean, you, yeah, you find yeah. yourself in sort of based on. Yeah, because you. I mean, when you who you think about when you were back in those kind of spaces and days. I mean, you start probably in that space, isn't it, with the mm -hmm. flirting and with the sort of seducing and. Um, but also, I can see the sort of playfulness too, and then kids ex express that a lot with their other friends, especially when they're young. It doesn't really matter who they're around. I think as you get older it matters which friends are around you. Yeah. But when you're little, it doesn't matter, yeah, it, you know, whatever. And they're just in a playground and they're like running around just laughing and playing And what's interesting, and, and you're going to go through this cycle as well, is um, is to see what, how their friendships evolve. evolve. Yeah. Because one thing in my mind, we're young and you had all the kids would come over to us in their class, it comes over for the yeah. birthdays and you go to there. So yeah, yeah, you yeah. these big, gang of kids that were in and out of each other's lives and they start kind of narrowing, parry, down. narrowing it down and then yeah, there's ones right. that they ask to go can this person come over can i go to this person's house yeah. um, and then the whole sort of sleepover thing so that that gets smaller then as they move to high school then because people go off in different ways and then they get introduced to people that they didn't go through their younger school with so they develop other friendships and then so it's been interesting to watch how that, that yeah. the path is all. Right, right, um, right. Where it may be one or two still stick around. Like I know Brittany has, you know, one when she's they've been I mean and they're still friends now, so they've kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. gone through even though both of them have developed different friend networks. In fact, Brittany has to have three parties when she has a party. She has three <laughs> groups of close sort of friends. Um, but those groups don't mix. So good, good strategy. To, I like it. I'm gonna three. take notes on that. Yeah, one. well, she tends to have. I've got to have three parties. Three parties, but um, yeah. So it's been interesting to see that, and then it further divides again when they go off to university. Yeah, yeah. So because then you know they don't. I don't think either one of mine. Have, well, I guess Devin, one of Devin's friends went to the same university. Yeah, but did. you really do split um, up at that point. But then you just split up and yeah. you develop whole new friendships, and then you get to this through these stages so you probably develop because you guys are going through a, an important time of your life together in a university experience yeah, where totally. that bond will come yep. 
Um, okay. There'll be some that, that I guess still, that despite the fact that you're separated by distance and time, that the friendship still. Yeah, so you still got that Phileas or whatever. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And I'm wondering how um, social media has changed that landscape. I know we always had the phone, but you didn't really. I think that we're, we're able way. to sort of keep in touch and know a bit about people's lives in a way we weren't before. But you can which is, see them as well, though. You can see yeah. them, you can talk to them on yeah. video stuff, you can play games with them. Yeah. Um, so you can carry on quite, uh, apart from physically being able to touch them, Yeah. Um, experience. Whereas, you know, for us growing up, once we went off to university or army or wherever you were going, unless you picked up the phone to hear their voice so they sent pictures in the mail we didn't didn't have yeah. the same kind of connection anymore so i wonder how yep. that's kind of changed the landscape I, I know it from a sense of you know you reconnect with people that you haven't seen forever. i think i think like oh. you said though there's there's sort of different kinds of friendships and and sometimes those friendships are just based on mutual like activities. Like we both like to do this thing. And when that's over or gone, there's sort of, you just move on, don't yeah. you? And then there's other people that like you're saying, there's sort of a deeper love there for that friend that goes beyond time, you know? So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking about a friend of mine who I went to middle school with and she was only around, you know, when I think about how I feel about her even still, and I think about how long ago we were, we knew each other and how, for what a short period of time, hmm. I'm quite amazed. But like, middle school is like, you know, those awkward years of like 12, 13, 14, where you sort of, you know, you're not a kid anymore, but you're sort of, you have the sort of confidence things and there's a popular crowd and, yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff in school. And I used to, we used to meet up on our bikes um, after school and just, you know, go bike around. Because what do you do when you're 13? You know, you can't like go do anything, especially if you're in the States, you can't walk to town or something. Mm. So, um, yeah, and I mean, I haven't seen her in years, but Have I mean, we sort of, well, she's not really on Facebook, mm. but um I mean, I know what she's done and I know where she is and, and we could get in touch and occasionally we sort of, you know, have a little, oh my gosh, let's do a big sort of catch up and stuff. But that's really only every couple of years we, we manage to get our act together and, and do that. But um, she is one of those people I absolutely know with certainty that if we were to be in a room together right now, it would yeah. be like no time to pass at all and it would be great. Yeah. And, and you almost... With those people, you don't need to necessarily catch up on all the detail of life because you both know each other, like yeah. in a really deep way, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it's an interesting way. Cause I have a friend that's like that as well. We must have met when we were in like fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. Um, and I think he's in Chicago now, but but I haven't I've, I hadn't seen him for like forever and forever. Then I moved back to New Jersey at the same time. He was kind of weird, so we reconnected very very briefly, but then. You know, I deployed off the or anything and mm -hmm. hadn't, haven't seen him since. But then Facebook, of course, happened and so we were able to keep in contact there. But, yeah. Um, well, that's the one song, um, Everybody Wears Sun Cream, I think, that, that song. When we talk about the friendships that we have are their connection to your past. Right. Um, and to value them in, in, that, in that way. So it's quite interesting that he's someone that I've known, like, nearly, you know, forever almost yeah, all of your yeah, life almost yeah. all of my life so we must have met when we were like maybe eight 
Yeah. Um, well, Ruth has some friends that she's known all her life. I mean, they, they've they literally grown up together, they lived on the same street, and then, you know, they, and now they're still in England, and one only lives about, you know, 30 minutes away. Yeah. But, you know, they, they literally have grown up together, which, yeah. is, which is quite interesting. That's cool. Um, but being in the military, for me, we, I didn't have that opportunity to, like, literally grow up in the same house. You mean <laughs> when your dad was in the military and you were growing up? Well, he was up. in it, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then I went into the military. And, yeah, yeah, so I've always been in this, a transient kind of character. So I'm saying with my kids, I mean, they'll have had a different experience in that way, as in they, mm-hmm. we've lived in Southern pretty much the whole time that they started the school system. We're still there, so, you know, Yeah, that's, yeah. And other, you know, they lived briefly in the States, but they were like two, three, and four, so mm. prior to school, so most of it they know is, yeah. is that. It's funny to mm. think about all these people in your life that you really sort of connected with. I have another friend who I um, just met over the summer that um, we were both living in India, in Jaipur, because we were both on this, like, Hindi language course, so we right. were there for three months, like, and, you know, it was quite intense, just sort of this little tiny group of of westerners trying to study hindi in in the suburbs of a very like you know there's no, there's no other foreigners around you know and all the tourists are sort of in the center so there's a quite sort of you know you're really thrown into a whole different scenario and you, you can really but it's interesting to think about how you connect with certain people and she's the only person out of that whole group that i've kept in touch with what makes that happen as well like mm. of all the people you kind of meet there's just some people that for whatever reason you just connect yeah and you feel like pursuing a friendship where other people you, you know, you're friendly to them and you're right. civil and that's but you wouldn't want to go hang out with them or, or, there's or just do something. anything give us the last two um, so okay. this other one number six is pragma which um, it's, a, it's a practical love founded on reason or duty for one's longer term interests. So they equate it to, um, yeah, so sexual attraction takes a back seat. It's kind of equated with the days of like arranged marriage. So we're married, so we have this common purpose of raising kids, okay. having kids, but we don't have the romantic love, um, but our right. common goal. Yeah, yeah, is to, is to be in family, yeah, okay. To be a family, so the relationship is... It's kind of based there, and sometimes, you know, I guess some of these arranged marriages, you know, over time it might grow to something else to experience some of the other parts of the but it's spaces. Yeah. In there. And then the last one, um, I'll have a hard time pronouncing this one. Um, philo- uh, Philosia? Philosia? Yeah, Philosia. Self love, uh, which can oh, be healthy or unhealthy. So, an unhealthy self love is akin to hubris. Right. Um, in ancient Greece, a person could be accused of hubris. Or narcissism, yeah. Gods, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's that one. So, and then the health self But then the whole is, is like self care or whatever, yeah. Self esteem and that yeah. sort of thing. So oh, I like that that's in there. Yeah, so no. So, yeah, um, interesting. That's I the mean, seven types of love. We never, never really thought that there was, can be so many different types of love. But, but, yeah, but, yeah, I can see. I, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I um. I suppose that the, the interesting thing is that they can, they can like it could start off as a friendship, so you can be somewhere in sort of philia, and it's just a friendship, but it might then go to the sort of eros, and then it might go to 
the game, you know, so mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. kind of move through See, for me, so, so I was listening to this Tara Brock um, podcast this morning because the Buddhists have a very, like, particular take on love, which is much more like the agape type or whatever that is, yeah. you know, sort of universal love. And it's sort of based on, you know, there's a lot of loving kindness meditations where, mm-hmm. you know, you're sort of encouraged to, to sit and contemplate the fact that despite all our differences, everybody as a human wants to feel safe, wants to feel like accepted, um, is afraid of, you know, being hurt. And so when you, when you drill down to those like sort of basic qualities that you can really feel, you can, you can sort of come at someone with a different understanding. So even people that like might drive you sort of crazy, or you Mm. might even feel are actually acting um, in a hurtful way towards you. Still, there's a encouragement in, in Buddhist practice to at least see that underneath this thing there is the same things driving them, and so therefore a lot of religions you know, have that kind of. Thing. I mean, Christianity yeah. is a whole idea. Yeah, love turn the other the cheek, thing. and that's right. And, you know, and then accept everyone for who they are. And that's right, and you know, for me, like, so, so my sort of question, because, so in in Buddhism also, there's this prayer that's like. Because they believe that um, they believe in infinite reincarnation, basically, mm. then there's this idea that everyone could have once been your mother, like even like the worm, even the like dog, even the whatever. Yeah. What, you know, because so there's such the, infinite yeah. time, and we've been coming back to this life infinite amounts of time. Mm. The reality is probably every single person and being so a lot around of you. Well, <laughs> but, but basically, what it is is to encourage you to realize that, like, you know, your mother has, like, you know, you're alive because she cared for you, you know, at least to a you know a minimum extent. Otherwise, a baby wouldn't survive. Mm. So there's sort of that encouragement, and for me that doesn't resonate quite as much as the sort of child version of that for me. I always translate it in my head to like everything around me could have at one point been my child. And because it, and I'm, it's interesting that, that they've separated out that kind of love that is unequal because it is, it is a bit like that. You sort of love your kid and your, and your parents love you in a sort of quite unequal relationship in the sense of like, actual give and take action so the love underneath it all might be similarly powerful and strong but you know you sort of rarely do you feel like you're giving to your parents as much as they have given to you and but i'm, I'm right I'm, and, and I'm with your kids sure. I'm, I'm not quite sure where you're going with that i'm just trying to think so is, so i so, mean i think for my kids yeah. like because so, you're saying about give what do you mean by give I guess well like you know like i see i see my kids and like you know your kids can like sort of you take care of them yeah. you do all kinds of stuff for them and then they're like you didn't give me this one thing i hate you you know and they're sort of throwing it back in your face mm. and stuff and even as teenagers and i look back it sort of you know there's a sort of because of the nature of that relationship you as a child are sort of not giving 
back to your parents as much as they have given to you just by nature, isn't it? Is it? But that's not, I guess I wouldn't equate that with the See, this is what, this is what's interesting to me because that is often what's equated with love. And so my, so my question off the back of that, which is a real, like, this is my real conundrum about love is like, you know, okay. So, so in this podcast that Tara Brock's talking, she's like, you know, giving these examples of how love can get blocked and, and here she's again talking about sort of any kind of love, mm. but that we can get into a scenario where we're resentful or we want to be right or we get mad and we sort of have these things that block the flow of, of genuine love. And that can also be like at a universal level towards like your fellow man, whoever, woman, whoever's before you. And she has this story about, um, you know, this guy who, through mindfulness, stopped being quite so impatient with people and started trying to see them. You know, like the whole thing we started at the beginning with, with like, I see you and, and start from that place. And there was the story about this guy who came to him and said, like, I haven't done my job. You know, we're falling behind in this project. And under normal circumstances, he would have slipped out on the, on the guy. And because he had been doing this mindfulness practice, he was like, you know, trying. He, he saw the guy and he sort of tried to think of his, you know, good qualities about honesty and sort of integrity and stuff like that. And he sort of tried to see those things. And then... You know, when he didn't freak out and when he instead expressed his sort of appreciation for those aspects of it, the guy was quite taken aback and ended up telling him that, you know, he had had, you know, there's like a lot of illness in his family. His wife was yeah. was really ill and blah. blah, blah. And I was like, that's it, it's for me, that's sort of I get that that's a helpful story because for so often we like react and we don't know the whole story. But for me, I'm like, what do you do if that wasn't the end of the story? What do you do when you're trying to express love to someone and they're just taking and taking and taking from you? Do you know what I mean? And it's always really nice when there's like, oh, there's a really nice reason why they didn't do this. But I'm like, okay, well, where's... And like you're saying, I wonder if the love thing and the action thing are too intertwined. So it's well, more about I don't think they're intertwined. I think it's, so I think there's this idea of unconditional love. So it doesn't matter what you do to me. You can be mean to me, whatever, but I still love you. I could be, you could be the most selfish person. But what does that mean in terms of how you act towards them? I can still not, I cannot talk to you, but still love, love you. you. Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, See, I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes in for people when they talk about things that are universal love, because I think that there's a misunderstanding about the relationship between love and how that translates into action. And that we think that when we say we love someone, we automatically need to start giving them everything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think you... Yeah, so we start, you know, what am I doing for you? Or you do, yeah, so that action of give and take. And and because we express love through our actions and through our words, and that's that's both the expression and how how we receive love in terms of that's how we know other people love us is through their actions and their words. The love might be there, but we wouldn't know it if someone didn't say anything and they were always... You know, yeah, but I think, that's, I think that's more about then, the person than the other person. So I think that would be more about you than the other person. So some people have to have 
they meet certain signals that signify that that person loves me. So, for instance, when I was in high school and I was dating this girl, um, everything was going fine as far as I was concerned. Um, and then one day she, you know, she's like crying and stuff, and she's like, "Well, you don't love me because you never yell at me." So because I didn't yell at her, she didn't think that I loved her, but that's what she, I guess from her parents, she picked up is what love was. And so I wasn't doing that, therefore something was wrong. But that was about her, not me. Right. my concept was, was like, well, I'm not your dad or anything. Why would I want to yell at you for? Um, but she needed that. Oh, she picked the wrong guy. Well, I guess she did. She must have. Been. I, guess, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine you yelling at anyone. Come on, what is this? So I think sometimes your reception of love is more about you than what maybe the other person is transmitting to yeah. you. What you, what the individual but needs. But finding, tri- finding that way of loving someone and and also choosing what you're willing to give them or not. Is a is a thing, isn't it? When you say to give things, but I don't know, that sticks into my side. Like whatever you say give. Um because then give, then that means you can also take away. But then does that what love's about that I give you something, but actually I don't like what you're doing, I'm take it away from you and use it as a weapon against you. Right, okay. Um, I'm just thinking, so like, you know, you have a, a situation a lot of times in a marriage where like one person feels resentful because they feel, or maybe both people feel resentful because they each see that they're putting more effort into caring for the other person. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, well, I, and, and so, you know, you get, and, and, and my thing about the kids is you don't ask the same questions. Do you know what I mean? So like, you don't expect your child to, to, to sort of, express a lot of gratitude when you do stuff for them see, but you, would, say you that's might more expect pure, it closer to what the love is because they don't have this concept that you got to give me something yeah only you're looking at them saying that they're not giving you this mm-hmm. so they've just said this hurtful thing even though i give them all these things mm-hmm. but for them they just love you unconditionally there isn't any there's no conditions around it there's no giving there's no taking yeah. and i think that's the whole idea behind unconditional isn't it it's like there's there isn't any comparison to the thing But I, I wonder say. if like underneath a lot of this stuff is is to go back to the seeing. Hmm. Because I think that's like, I think it was another a part of this podcast that was, that Tara Ruff was talking about was like the first, um, she basically broke things down into like the three conditions for loving. And it was like the first one was to just see the other person. Like I see yeah. you. And that's sort of a condition for love. So it's not about giving, but but there is a giving in terms of attention or awareness. You know, like I'm not giving you something, but I'm giving you my like attention. Because the word that comes to my mind is maybe neglect. So mm. if I neglect you, as I don't pay any attention, I don't see you, I don't recognize you, I don't. Right. And then like anything that you flower, you don't give it water, then it. it withers and it doesn't thrive because it's but how does that that, how does that intertwine then with with unconditional love because Mm -hmm. unconditional love is that's the thing isn't it it's like it doesn't matter it doesn't need to be watered it is there it is there so the 
I think it's, uh, and this is very weird, perhaps gets tricky. So if I'm neglecting you, you might still love me, but your well-being suffers. I'm yeah. In that, that yeah. Because whatever this thing, this force is that we have, because it's the, the, whether I neglect you emotionally and physically, um, then you start to wither up. And I mean, but then, but then I think I think what what I sort of feel like is the big challenge for me with love is like, you know, and this is with friendships and, and all kinds of different relationships that you have people in your life that, you know, at different times you love them. You know, like this happens in families all the time. You have you, you, there's this unconditional love. Is there something about nurture then? Is there nurture and neglect? I'm just thinking like yeah. animals. If you nurture that. You feed them, you pay them some attention. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily you're giving them things, but you're nurturing the relationship. I suppose what I mean by give is like attention and energy, you know, and, yeah. and to, to nurture something is to give energy and attention. It doesn't mean you're like giving them yeah, so presents or giving them like stuff, but there is a, there is a, yeah. Yeah, well, you uh, and if if I use the word give, it's you giving them your attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I see you, I think is a is probably the best phrase for that. Isn't it? But so, then, what do, what do you do in a in a situation yeah. where there is love, but you feel like on on your end, you feel not not seen. Neglected, so like not yeah. seen. So so can there be love on one end? where there might not be that level of love on the other end. Yeah. And what do you do in that scenario? Yeah. I think you would probably find that the relationship can't continue. Although so, the love can. Although the love can. So okay. the relationship won't, but I still love you, but I need to move on because, you know, mm -hmm. my whole, your whole well-being, depression, and all that sort of stuff sets in because, you know, the, the nurturing that you require is, yeah. is just not, not there, but you don't, bear any ill will to the person um, and I think I suppose that's what the Buddhist practices are trying to, to foster in people is this sort of um, a love based on like the deep human qualities I'm that are like yeah, exactly so like so life. like we are all ultimately in the same boat Just here the fact that you're a living breathing thing right I love you for that and yeah. it might not be, you know, we might not be friends and might not be lovers or any of yeah. that, but just the fact that you're living, breathing thing, mm -hmm. not even just human, but animals, plants, so yeah, that right. universal love in that sense, which doesn't necessarily mean that you would, in the same way that for, you know, your child, you wouldn't, you would do things for them that you wouldn't do for a stranger, for instance even though you might have a universal love for all people. So but there's things that you would, probably, you would definitely do for your kid that you wouldn't do for a stranger. Yeah. Um, there's stuff that you would do for your kids that you wouldn't even do for your 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 partner. Or what have you. mm -hmm. um, so I think that the bond and that level of connection yeah. perhaps drives the kind of actions or how far would you put yourself out for that individual right because um, then there's the whole thing about tough love isn't there 
that you, you often hear with parenting. Like, tough love. Me some yeah. tough love. Yeah. Is it going to hurt you more than it hurts me? Yeah, I used to hear that as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't think somehow I don't think so. <laughs> Let's flip this around here. Let me do the hurting and you tell me, brother. I wish now I could go back in time. That's what I'm doing. So if that's the case, then let me do the whooping so that it's hurting me more yeah right then it's hurting you um, <laughs> if that's the case but yeah so i, I kind of wonder if it, it helps to sort of separate out the sort of difference between love and our actions and and in the sense of sometimes you have to do things with your kids that set really serious boundaries or yeah. really serious rules it has love. nothing to do with whether or not you love them like yeah. it is because you love them yeah, but also you because you're like them. this is a not you know i think those those things so something when you talk about this with a tough love bit i think it's because you're maybe projecting or seeing when we're talking about the health and well-being and happiness long-term survival all that yeah. And you're looking ahead and saying, well, I've got to set this boundary because if I don't, although you hate it now, it's for that person's own good in the end. And maybe maybe what we should be doing more is applying that kind of attitude towards our other relationships. Because we often think about that in terms of our parent and child relationships or between us and our parents and what yeah. we experience. But we don't really think about using that same principle with our friends or with our other, you know, with our siblings or just other people in our lives, even our colleagues. It's like, you know, I can love you and understand and have, you know, deep compassion for your situation. And still, there's a tough love going on of like, mm -mm, you're not going to do that. So I, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't no, know I how that translates, no, but no, probably because you have some people who, um, and again, it depends on what level the love is and which one it is. So if it's at the, you know, the sort of friendship love, because some people try to take advantage of that relationship, um, but because they're not at a deeper level of love for, as far as you're concerned then you maybe don't do that action for them because they're a friend and like I love you in that capacity but yeah. I'm not I'm not going to put myself at detriment or in harm's way or any yeah, of those yeah. other things because our relationship isn't at a different level of love so it's at this friendship the feline love but it's not but then if we're if we're aiming for everybody to be at a universal on some level yeah then you know it's sort of but that's even interesting as well that. if you say the universal love but what is that how does that translate into Action. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's a universal Because, you know, the, the thing about this Tara Brack story that, yeah. like, it just, it's a it leaves me unsatisfied is that, like, I get that it's wonderful when your compassion is rewarded by another person seeming deserving of it in that mm. way. Like, yes, my my wife is has cancer and I'm trying my best and it's very clear he's trying his best and then everyone can go away feeling happy like they're, you know, this good person. But there are people who are narcissists and there are people that will take and take and take from you. Mm. And, you know, how do you 
you know, universal love as, you know, many of the world religions sort of Would that be that you don't do harm to that person? So universal love kind of presents you from doing harm, but at the same time, your other, you know, that person take, 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 so they are... um, you know, you're 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 severed the relationship with them, but you wouldn't go out of your way to do harm. And you can still maybe, you can still love them, maybe. Yeah. Maybe there is there is a on deep the agape level as yeah. a universal love, and I yeah. don't bear you any ill will, but yeah. I'm no longer gonna let you take advantage of me. And yeah, yeah. This relationship isn't kind of working for me in that sense. Yeah. Um, and it definitely isn't gonna work at any of the other levels. There's not gonna be any eros or philos or any of the other ones, just because you know our connection, our bond that see you isn't there, but yeah. I see you as a human being. So you know I'm not gonna go and you know push you over a cliff or anything like that right yeah <laughs> um, yeah 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 you know, or i'm not going to go and talk bad about you or that sort of thing so um yeah it's maybe in that universal love that i don't do things that are detriment to you to your reputation or to you physically or to you yeah psychologically yeah, um, yeah i think that's right i just kind of yeah accept that you are a human yeah yeah um, yeah so interesting yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite a nuanced thing, isn't it, in relationship to... Yeah. And the fact that you can move up and down these stages, so it's not a fixed thing. Yeah. Of, you know, the seven stages, and, you know, it's not a... Especially the four, I think, because the, the other ones were quite specific to things like pragma. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely the four, you can... There's a, a fluidity yeah. kind of between, between those. So, okay. All right, wow. I think that was good. Um, the question would be, is this, we can talk about that offline, can we? Because I think that this should go out for... For Valentine's. Valentine's Happy Valentine's. Yeah. yeah and yeah. self-love. I, we, maybe we should have a whole different sort of thing about that. But um, yeah, in a way, that's a kind of a big but topic. Yeah, but, that's a big topic. You know, it's, it's, it's a real thing in my, I suppose in both of our line of work, in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, in yoga, this is, like huge you know are mm. like there's so many people who they are the last on their list you know mm. so it's you know and, and and there's a story that a lot of people are carrying around that if they put themselves at the top of the list that somehow that makes them really selfish yeah. so yeah no it's a big Perfect. it's a big topic but we should um you know especially on valentine's day like it's about yourself too yeah. so yeah all right cool, cool. all right